You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we welcome you back in a Tuesday Locked On Syracuse podcast. It is Tim Leonard and Tyler Rocky here with you. We are with you every single weekday, the only place to get daily Syracuse Orange podcasts, keeping you up to date on all the latest football happenings, recapping all the games on Monday, getting you ready for all the games on our Thursday, Friday podcasts, and sprinkling in some interviews and everything in between. If you like the show, feel free to subscribe and tell a friend, as we're starting to say now. Get the word out about us. We appreciate any and all feedback. Put it in the group chat. That's that's my mantra. Put it in the group chat. You love that one. So feel free to do a a review as well. And, you know, if you want to come up with something creative in the review maybe drop a question that you want us to answer on the show we will be on the lookout for that type of stuff and give us a rating any and all ratings are all appreciated here on the locked on syracuse podcast today's episode gonna recap dino baber's comments yesterday in his press conference his weekly monday press conference where he did talk a little bit about wake forest but mostly just address questions coming off of the clemson game we talked all about clemson yesterday on the show if you missed any of that and then we will get into kind of the, the key spots of this Dino press conference and then also later on in the show talk some basketball recruiting and in particular I think we Paul are going to up the ante now basketball this week because you know what today is Tim today we are officially 30 days out until Man. Syracuse opens up its season oh, okay 30 days we haven't is that November 25th we're 30 days the away? November 27th okay because of Bryant yeah have mm-hmm. we brought that up on the pod I don't even know in, I don't in case e- anyone missed I, I think it came at a weird time it came on like a Friday we had done our preview and so there wasn't a lot of time it it's a classic us moment where the news breaks after we've stopped <laughs> recording yeah so. we love those so yeah, if anyone missed that, the first game, what appears to be the first game on the Syracuse calendar, is now set November 27th. I guess I shouldn't say set, it's just sourcing, I think, from our guy John Rothstein, who has been tracking the countdown. I was going to say, you sound like John Rothstein with a 30-day counter there on the college basketball front. There's nothing wrong with that. 30 days no, out to CDB. I'm in. Strap me in. I can't in. wait. Yeah, and we're going to keep talking basketball as we get closer and closer to the season. Very excited about this year's team and just happy to have college basketball on the horizon and somewhat tangible in terms of in the near future. But let's talk a little bit about Dino's presser. We will get into Chase, or I was going to say Chase Atkinson because of the defensive back. Paul Atkinson, who is a grad transfer, transfer on the market that basically we'll discuss whether Syracuse should go after him and what has been the latest happenings in terms of his situation after hitting the market, but that'll be later on in the show. Dino's comments, I think the biggest thing we were talking before we started this is on the quarterback front. This is something we talked about a lot on this podcast. We've given our opinion on what Dino should do the rest of the season with the quarterback situation. He basically was asked today straight up by Stephen Bailey, uh, what did you make of, what was the, went into your decision to put in Jacoby and Morgan? He did not throw the ball, but just put him in there for the later stages, the very later stages of that Clemson game. And he just said, I wanted to see if he would, you know, I wanted to give him a taste of it, basically. And then he kind of had a weird comment in my eyes where he said, I wanted to see if he was going to drop his first shotgun snap or catch his first shotgun snap. Uh, Kind of a low bar there, but 
it seems to me like Jacoby and Morgan is the backup. Now, Stephen Bailey did ask him after this straight up who is the backup, and he kind of gave a general coach speak answer. But don't you agree like Morgan is, is the second guy after seeing that? After seeing that, yes. But I will also say this. I found it interesting. There was one point in the game, it was it was once things were starting to, to unravel a little bit. And I noticed Dylan Markowitz had his helmet on. And so I had thought for a little bit, hmm, is is he the second stringer? Is, is he yeah. next in line if, if Rex is done for the day and Dino decides to make a, a switch at some point late in the game? And that's the only reason I take a little pause and fully saying it's Jacobian as the second guy. But seeing him out there definitely, in my eyes, makes him the second guy. And I think we should start to talk to him, talk about him as the second string quarterback of this team and a guy who I think will see reps throughout the remainder of the season. I mean, there's literally no way around it at this point. You have to be giving some of these guys some sort of reps. And... I think Dino did bring up a good point, too. Even though it was a limited-capacity crowd at Clemson, that's still the biggest crowd most of these guys have ever played Yeah, in that was of, interesting. Especially when the, the traveling roster was 45% freshman, I think, was the, the final number on that, that metric right there. So I, I am definitely cool with saying, all right, Jacobian, you are, you are the second stringer. Listen, you and I didn't have a dog in the fight. We didn't care who was the second stringer because, quite frankly, we don't know anything about these guys aside from some high school tape that quite frankly means very little at this point once you're in college football whatever you did in high school pretty much everyone else has done the same thing okay it's you're taking the next step now in your in your progression so if it's Jacobian it's Jacobian if it's Dylan it's Dylan but it looks like it is Jacobian now and I'm cool with that and I think we're gonna see some more Jacobian Morgan as the season progresses it's and he is gonna throw the ball this year at some point, we will see him throw a pass. He's not going to go out there and take a couple, like, six handoffs. The the Sean McVay, Matt Nagy preseason quarterback training academy there. That's not what we're going to see out of these guys. <laughs> so do you want to see him in a... Well, I guess, what would it take for you to go to... Let's just assume, again, that Morgan is the backup. But even if it isn't Morgan, like, what would it take for you to say, okay, Rex, that's enough against Wake Forest. Let's go to him. Because I'll be honest, I was definitely of the camp firmly that they should go to a a freshman quarterback and just give him a shot. Why not? After seeing some improvement and some semblance of a team that can win some football games against Clemson, now it wasn't all good, but we saw improvements. But that's the thing is, it was the quarterback that held this team back from really making this a game. That's that's where the yeah. problem was. The defense was great. The defense and special teams set you up phenomenally throughout this entire game. And then once it came into to the important stages of the game, you just didn't see Rex get it done. I mean, sure, he had the, the one long touchdown pass, but as we mentioned, a lot of the scoring plays in this game were a result of unsustainable plays. The punt return... Or the, the punt block, the the long bomb, the 83-yard pass, and then the pick six, which isn't even on the bill for the offense in terms of what they did in this game. So that's why the quarterback is so important. We we see it in the NFL on, on Sundays. We see it in college football on Saturdays. It's everything. Heck, if, yeah. if, you watch, if you watch an Arch Manning game, you'll see it on a Thursday night on ESPN2 or something like that too. So we see how important the quarterback position is, and the quarterback simply is not delivering right now. At Syracuse. But would a freshman deliver more? I I don't don't know if they would. Would they deliver less? 
Maybe, yeah. I mean, because they're freshmen. But what is less? I mean, is Rex there less to go right bad. now? He I, hasn't been bad, but he has not been good, and he hasn't done some of the little things. I mean, he goes out there and against Clemson, I get they're good, but ten for twenty six is his uh, completion to attempts ratio right there, and, and that's the norm. That it's not like oh he's playing up against big bad Clemson. No, that's the, just the norm that we've been seeing out of him. Not just this year, but in years prior as well. And to me, when I see Dino Babers and the way he speaks about the quarterback position in these last couple of press conferences is he does want to give someone else a chance. He just wishes there was someone with more experience on the roster right right now. And he feels like he can't. He feels like his hands are tied right now because there's no one ready, but he also knows that the current situation is not good. Okay, more on the quarterback situation in just a little bit. First, I want to tell you guys about rockauto.com, one of our favorite stores out there that has been great to me during this quarantine COVID type era that we are in. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront for cars. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket, and this interface that you can get at rockauto.com is literally the same as what that counterman is dealing with. And the good news is you don't have to go all the way to the store right now, which is a hassle, and then have them just tell you that they're going to order the part. You can just skip that step, order the part right away. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are always reliably low. And it has come, every time I've ordered it, it has come right when they say it's supposed to. It's very easy to use this website. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you again. Put Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Also need to tell you about the only beer out there that's literally made to chill. That, of course, is Coors Light. Whether you're watching the Orange on Saturdays or are just channel surfing to find the next great game on the docket, pick the official beer of watching any sport or team just to drink beer. Football is therapeutic for fans, so why not take a moment to chill with the beer that's made to chill? With Mountain Cold Refreshment, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, so it arrives to your doorstep as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is the beer I choose when I need to hit reset and whenever I just want to relax and watch a great game. So when you need to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your doors at get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If there was a quarterback behind Rex Goldpepper that would be making a difference, I think we would be seeing him right now on the field. I think Dino... Mm -hmm knows you have to give him some benefit of the doubt here and the rest of the coaching staff and everyone involved that is watching these guys on a daily basis. Now, the tough part is that Morgan and Markowitz were never getting the reps that a first-string quarterback needs to get until maybe two weeks ago, and now it's probably been kind of a tryout for that second quarterback spot, and it seems like Morgan is kind of the leader in that column right now. The other thing is Dino brings up how you don't want to just throw them out into a terrible situation and you know, shatter their mm-hmm. confidence a little bit. 
I do get that side of it because we watch a lot of freshmen this year. And Dino brought this up in his press conference. I was talking about Smurf Greenwood and how he dropped that interception that he had like three chances on that one play to grab it. And that's just freshman football. That's that's what he was saying. Rob Hanna tried to jump on a fumble and just didn't handle the situation right. Wasn't patient enough. This isn't a separate game. Uh, he talked about how Pena comes into the game and just completely drops his first little screen pass that was thrown to him on the first play of action. These are freshmen, so it's a little ridiculous to say that Morgan might drop the shotgun snap or something, but Dino's on to something there. It's it's definitely a fragile moment to bring a freshman into a game, and you don't want to just throw them out there unless they're ready. Right, and that's the thing is he wants to be ready. He wants someone to be ready. He wishes there was someone ready right now. He knows what he has at quarterback. And as much as you want to say the the stuff about the, the Tommy DeVito versus Rex comparisons there, he knew he knows what he has with Tommy DeVito, and he knows that that game is probably a little bit closer with TD under center. And Oh, yeah. I, I mean, just the way the, the flat effort from Clemson and, and the revved-up engines it felt like for Syracuse, the game is probably closer, and... and it, you can say what you want about the relationship between Tommy DeVito and the coaching staff, the teammates, whatever. That that can't, There's a totally different football game with him at quarterback because you have a guy who's groomed. You have a guy who has been in big moments like this before. And it's a different ceiling, but a I different will say ceiling, yeah. Rex, I mean, he was only sacked twice against Clemson. I find it hard to believe that DeVito would have only been sacked twice. Now, I don't think this is the typical Clemson defensive line that we're used to, and the offensive line played better, and they schemed better a little bit. But that is an upgrade, and I think Rex does have some poise in the pocket that we have to sort of acknowledge in this conversation. That's why I'm not totally bought in now on the, well, it can't get any worse than this. Let's just throw out a freshman. Why not give him a chance? Because... I do think Rex has been a little bit better than I anticipated, which is weird to say, right? Because as you laid out, the numbers are really poor, but he's shown flashes. He had that great drive against Liberty at the start of the game, and then he has made some explosive plays down the field, whether it was hitting Nikeem, hitting Queeley against Liberty. These are all things that you should be getting from a Division One quarterback. I'm not saying he's He's the worst quarterback of the ACC right now. I think we can yeah. all say it. Out and, of all the starting the thing quarterbacks, is, if Dino's going to go out there and and rattle off his mantra of consistently good, not occasionally great, what we've seen so far from Rex is occasionally great. The consistently good part is something that we're not having this conversation right now about. A, oh, should we start a, a freshman? Should he look towards going to two, three deep down the depth? But a chart freshman find, will to... not be consistently good they just won't at this stage maybe not consistently good but can you be consistently average i mean i think syracuse and dino babers would take consistently average right now out of the quarterback position because right now they're getting consistently bad and occasionally great with its throws i mean 10 of 26 10 of 26 is not a passable it was worse mark against there. liberty yeah right 19 I mean, of 50 or something right really bad so when you have those sort of numbers right now, that's not what's going to be a, a sustainable long-term or even short-term success plan for the Syracuse team. And that's what you want. Can can someone else prove to you that they can be consistently average? Because right now, consistently average would be a huge upgrade at the, at the position. 
Final thing on the quarterback situation. I saw this was floating around the Syracuse fan message boards, and you know we love to do our social media sleuthing on this show mm-hmm. and try social to, Sherlock. Usually, mm-hmm. Yes, right. Y- usually that's Dior Johnson related. Well, in this instance, it is a similar type of fashion, but Tommy DeVito, someone pointed out on SyracuseFan.com, the message boards, that Tommy DeVito has removed Cuse football or something of that variety in his bio. And again, I I preface this by saying it's kind of premature to even begin this conversation, and it's also like could mean absolutely nothing. But just wanted to throw out there that that has happened, and people were talking about it. And I do think there is a world that Tommy DeVito transfers or moves somewhere else, whether it's this year or in the future, based on what's happened in his Syracuse career. And we talked about that a little bit. If you're Tommy DeVito. You the have trade. to be open to, <laughs> I don't think a trade's going to happen, but you have to be open to, to alternatives at this point because he has talent and he has not been able to get it fully maximized at Syracuse. Now, I think that's mostly because of, like we talked about, his pocket presence and stuff like that. But I don't know, just, just throwing it out there. Did you make anything of seeing that in his Twitter bio? So here's what I'll, I'll glean from this is whenever this type of story comes out, and we see this in professional sports a lot, not as much in college sports, but we see it a lot in professional sports where they remove the the team name and, and their position, whatever, from the, the Twitter bio, Instagram bio, scrub the, the tweets, the, the Instagram photos, all that stuff. That stuff is usually leaked. Like someone from their camp makes sure someone else is aware of it and puts it out there in yeah. that situation. Now, I will also counter with this. The message boards are a crazy wild place. They can be fun, they can be toxic, <laughs> and that's okay. And that's so, why they're there. Yeah. Right, exactly. And I think in this situation, it feels more like rabid fandom that especially in college, I, I think is more this is more so the case than in the pros. But it's the rabid fandom and the daily check-ins on all these players where you notice things like that. And who knows, maybe this is Tommy or someone in his family, whatever, leaking out this information. Who knows? I mean, we don't know. But I know from a professional standpoint, this is usually a leaked source of information. However, when you look at the the college ranks and, and where the message boards are so rampant and potent, I feel like that's more rabid fandom sniffing this out than it is Tommy trying to get some sort of message out. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that that's I would agree with that totally. It's at the stage now where it's kind of foolish to talk even more about it than just stating that we don't really know right but now. But he does have yeah. a lot of time on his hands right now to think about these things. I mean, he's yeah, not going totally. through the daily, the daily reps of practice, and he doesn't need to study that playbook as much as he used to. So he has a lot of time to ponder these things. And I'm not saying he's sitting around doing nothing during these times because he's oh, yeah. obviously trying to rehab back from from what looked like a very, very serious injury. But he does have some time to think about these sort of things. And it would not shock me. And to be quite honest, I don't think I would necessarily blame him if he did take a next step that doesn't include Syracuse. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, another thing to bring up, a couple other things to bring up from the Dino press conference before we get into Paul Atkinson and recruiting talk on the basketball front Taj Harris, Dino addressed it right away. First question from Darius Joshua, and he asked for an update on Taj Harris. He did not say 
anything Dino in regards to his status for the Wake Forest game. He just simply said, I saw him in the team meeting. He seems to be doing okay. He seems to be in good spirit. So I don't know what, what to really glean from that. I, I would say I hope that we see him against Wake Forest, as we said earlier on the show, yesterday, I think. And I really don't know if, if we'll see him. I mean, Dino didn't come out and say he's going to be back for Wake Forest. So I guess if he had said that, if he knew that right now, maybe he would have said that. But I, I, I still would expect to see him against Wake Forest, I think, is where I'm leaning. I would too. I, I do think the one little pause for me is the fact that it took him a while to get to the in good spirits part of his answer. And maybe we're just reading too deep into it here. Right. But we're like Tommy DeVito. To, We've got tons of time to yeah, dissect all this stuff. <laughs> usually when, when you say if there truly are in good spirits, you get directly to it. And it kind of felt like he was dancing around it, dancing around it. And then he had to say it. So no, but I'm with you. I, I do think we see Taj against Wake Forest. I'd be really shocked unless there's some injury or some sort of flare-up that we're unaware of at this point. It, it would be a little harsh in my eyes to not see him out there. Again, we kind of are in agreement. One game was the right punishment. Now let's move on. It, it's good to see that he's around the team and, and he's not too far removed from them at this point right now. But... He needs to be out there against Wake Forest, or otherwise you're just you're you're turning the season into a total laughing stock. And then also he was asked about Sean Tucker, as predicted, didn't really have an update on him, said lower body injury after the game, and we'll kind of wait and see. But Sean Tucker did go out on Twitter again. We got our Monday Sean Tucker yeah. Twitter recap. Did you see that? I did. Yes, it's so. once again he he didn't play in the second half in case in case you didn't hear, but also. The interesting thing, and, and maybe this is something that's very prevalent among colleges, but the the doctor, the team doctor, uh, Dino alluded that he's got another job during the day, so he, I don't really get these reports until later on Mondays. I just kind of found that interesting. I would have I would have expected that, especially when you're you're dealing with Power Five football programs. I'm not saying that a team doctor is a sole proprietor of the. They only work with the, the singular team and can't have these outside jobs as well. But I would have felt like Syracuse football, Syracuse basketball, probably priority number one. And you know that thing, you know, the, the status of, of your running back. You're, you're very good. I'm not going to say star running back quite yet, but you're a very talented running back. I would have thought you would know this, the, some more logistics to it by by Monday morning. Yeah, it's getting to the point where I might put Sean Tucker on Twitter notifications. I really think we might have to start doing a weekly segment, just the Monday Sean Tucker recap tweet, which I guess we yeah. have to put on our Tuesday podcast. But for anyone that missed it, you can go to our Twitter page at LO underscore Syracuse and Magic Tucker. Out a little a little quote tweet. We'll probably be on top of Sean Tucker's tweets. We love it here on the show. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about Paul Atkinson, a transfer on the basketball market at the front court spot, whether Syracuse should go after him and, What's kind of the future of the center position going forward? Okay, co-Ivy League Player of the Year from last season, Paul Atkinson, a graduate transfer from Yale, has announced that he is into the transfer market this coming, of course, after fresh off the heels of the Ivy League officially, officially saying that they will not be playing any games this year, which is unfortunate for 
for anyone that is in the Ivy League, but probably means that there will be plenty of people that sort of fall in Atkinson's footsteps and head into this transfer market. He is obviously going to be going to be a prized guy. Jeff Borzella tweeted out that ESPN, uh, that Paul Atkinson told ESPN, I should say, that he's already heard from Duke, Arkansas, Miami, Florida, USC, Stanford. I don't have to read all the schools. It's a lot of good schools. Notre Dame's in there. I think that'd be a good fit. Gonzaga. The bottom line is Syracuse was not one of the probably 15 or 16-odd schools that Jeff Borzello said Paul Atkinson told ESPN has reached out to him. Maybe a and little surprise was a that, part of the group, he would have included Syracuse yeah, in this he would have. Because they're, yeah, the, the prominence of the program definitely would warrant them being a part of this tweet. A little surprised that Syracuse was not at least reaching out. I feel like, especially when you were doing your due diligence on a guy like Matt Harms and all that stuff. You were looking for a big man. I'm a little surprised in that regard. Of course, they they do go out and end up adding a big man in the offseason in Frank Anselm, but one-year guy, uh, I, I think he could help. I don't. I mean, obviously, he's a super talented guy. He's an upgrade at, at the position in 2021. Doesn't matter if Barama's coming back for another year, Marek, all those guys all... All the uh, the the freshmen and redshirt freshmen, or the young guys on the team, it doesn't matter. He would be an upgrade at the position, at a position that has really doomed this team the last five seven years. So, when you look at his numbers from Yale, seventeen point six points per game and seven point three rebounds per game, I think is he's a guy that would give you some offensive flash at the position, which we just frankly have not seen. Now he's not a guy who's going to step out and and hit shots from deep for you, but he's going to be very effective around the basket, and he's a high-percentage shooter. He shoots about 66% from the field, and I think that's something that's always an asset for you. You always need guys like that on your team, especially at, at these the center position, because you've got all of these fantastic shooters. What if you can mix it up inside-outside a little bit? Yeah, I always feel like a grad transfer. So in his scenario, he's probably a type of player that is looking to play professionally somewhere with those type of numbers, whether it is have a great year and get into the NBA conversation or just have an opportunity to play professionally. Now, he is coming from Yale, and I'm sure he's going to be on track to have a great degree and all that sort of thing. Employment will not be his biggest problem. Right. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, but... You look at Syracuse's roster next year, and keep in mind, now we know Marek and Barama can come back if they want to, and it's not like they're going to play professionally anywhere, at least barring a drastic change in, in what has occurred on the court so far from them. Now, maybe overseas, I guess, but bottom line is I could see Barama and Marek coming back because it's not like the NBA is knocking on their door. So let's just assume they come back. You've got those two guys. You've got Frank Anselm would be... I guess you could call a redshirt freshman because he'll probably take that year of, you know, why not that you get the blanket waiver. So then Jesse Edwards is also still there. John Bolajak, that's another two redshirt sophomores that will be entering their third year with the program by the time that Atkinson came. And the tough thing about Syracuse and why it's not a great appeal for a grad transfer is it's the 2-3 zone and you've got to learn a completely new system and if we're being completely honest, not a, I know a couple NBA teams use 2-3 zone, like the Heat in the playoffs this year, but it makes it tougher for an NBA prospect to show off their skills defensively. Now, Bayheim will push back on 
me if he heard this till the end of the earth. I understand that. But Paul Atkinson, if he wants to prove he can play both ways at an NBA level and get to that stage, the 2-3 zone is not ideal for him. He'd rather just be a rim protector in a man-to-man offense where he doesn't have to come in and have some type of learning curve that he has to understand what is kind of a complex system that has troubled some guys in their first year. And I think Beheim, the argument he always makes, and especially recently, has been guys don't get drafted for their defense. And I do yeah. think he is right in that capacity. You don't see a lot of guys go out there and get drafted for being beasts defensively. And that's totally true. However, for a guy like Paul Atkinson, if he wants to get to that next level, he's going to have to show that he can play defense. Because the NBA isn't looking for 6'10 guys who can bust around in the paint a little bit, bruise some guys up offensively in the paint. That's just not where the game is right now. Right, exactly. They need to see, for a guy like Paul Atkinson, they need to see him be good at a bunch of little things too along with being a good offensive player so i think in that capacity another thing that kind of hurts syracuse's chances here and and the reason why we're bringing this up is that busting brackets uh, a fan-sided site they they do a lot of great college basketball stuff they put out eight teams that paul atkinson could be a fit with and syracuse was one of the the eight in there so i think that with, with a guy like paul atkinson and you even brought it up. You just just by listing out the sheer number of names, this is a guy with one year of eligibility. Yeah. And even though he is the best of those guys, the fact that and again, Beheim is is not afraid to take the spoon away, the playing time spoon away from guys <laughs> oh, no. who aren't deserving, obviously. But what happens if Paul Atkinson is the guy who has the the spoon batted away from his mouth? Then he's just wasted a year. And, exactly. and we've even seen it happen in the past. I mean, you think about Geno Thorpe. Now, I think for the most part, the grad transfers and, and even just transfers in general have done phenomenal with Syracuse because they don't pick them up unless they know that there's going to be a spot for them. But you, you think about it from that lens, too, is if I see that much competition and I can go to a, a different program that maybe lets me play a little more freely uh, and show who I am a little bit better, it, it's tough to pick the orange over some of these other spots. Yeah. All right. Any last parting shots or anything of note? I, I saw that Boston College is a 2 p.m. kick. If anyone missed that, that's coming up in a couple of weeks. And 2 finally off the noon kicks. I mean, that's I know it shocked yeah, me. 2 p.m. They'll get that. Up. They'll get Notre Dame. And what is it? Louisville. That's the Friday game this year. Yeah. Or the Thursday yep. game or something like that. I think it's a Friday so. game, if I'm not mistaken. So we've got those to look forward to. I can't imagine a world where it's a Saturday. I go out for lunch. I come back and Syracuse football hasn't started. It's been every single game has been at noon. So this, this week, obviously I think is still at noon wake forest, but after that BC is 2 PM for anyone that's wondering, but that'll do it for the Tuesday show. We'll be back tomorrow. I'm sure some other news will come out. We'll see. Maybe we'll dive into some basketball stuff. Uh, and, Who knows, maybe we'll try and get a guest later on this week to have on the show, but we will be getting ready for Wake Forest, which is a much bigger game than I thought it was going to be going in the Clemson game. So excited to get you guys prepped for that, and be sure to subscribe to the show so you get it every single morning delivered directly to your preferred podcast feed. For Tyler, I'm Tim. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.